Well, good morning and welcome to First Presbyterian Church. We are delighted that you have joined us on this Youth Sunday. It's an exciting time and God is doing many great things here at First Pres. And so um, we're so blessed to have the students that we have uh, and how gifted they are. Uh, these students are not the future of First Pres, but they are the right now of First Pres. And if the kingdom is in their hands for the next generation, then I trust we're in good hands. Luke chapter 13 is where we're going to be today. So again, if you have your pew Bibles, that's page 1620. Um, last week was kind of a big deal here at First Presbyterian Church. If you were not here, Easter is a massive and somewhat exhausting undertaking here at the church. We have four services, 3,100 people came and worshiped Christ. And it was a fantastic Sunday. We had an absolutely great and blessed time as we celebrated the gospel, the euangelion, the good news that Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, conquered Satan's sin and death. He entered into the grave. He went all the way through it and kicked the back door down so that you and I as believers could do the same thing. And on the first Easter Sunday, two women went to the tomb to mourn, and all they found was a stone rolled away, an empty tomb, and a folded piece of clothing, which is actually the first miracle after the resurrection that a man folded clothes. Um, but it was a great Sunday. We, we had a good time. People were dressed in their pastels and seersuckers, and we got to catch up with some friends that we haven't seen since Christmas, and, and we celebrated. It was good. And maybe you're like me. Um, when we left, um, I began thinking to myself, um, what now? Like, what now? Because we talk about the resurrection in such big terms, and I think too often we default to the resurrection, the passion narrative, the Easter story being kind of the end of the Gospels. But really, if you follow the New Testament, it's just the beginning. So what now, how do we live in light of the gospel? How do we live in what we profess to believe that Jesus Christ went into the grave, rose to life, and then sent people? How do we live in light of that? Because the gospel, and I've said this before, but the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is not simply good advice. Good advice is don't eat after 8 o'clock. The good advice is invest in your 401k as early and often as you can. That's behavioral modification. That's easy. The gospel is good news. You see, good news shifts our paradigms and alters realities, and it necessarily affects everything. In fact, the resurrection is the pinnacle of human history. It's an eschatological event that changes everything, and it changes everything about our lives. And so I left kind of asking that question. And, and the good news, one of the, one of the things about the gospel is that we're not left just wandering. We're not left trying to figure out this thing like it's some sort of puzzle. In fact, Jesus tells us about it over and over and over. And so this morning out of Luke chapter 13, and we're only going to read two verses. That's not an empty promise. Um, I assure you, we'll only read two verses. But Jesus kind of gives us the blueprint. And we're going to investigate the thing that he talks about more than any other subject combined. You see, I think a lot of times pastors will say, Jesus talks about subject X more than anything combined. And depending on the sermon series, we either say it's hell or money, right? But the truth is, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God more than any other thing he spoke about combined. He mentions it directly 90 times, references it indirectly 25 times. 
He says the kingdom of God is like, and kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, interchangeable terms. He prays for it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And he even embodies it because in the middle of a group of Pharisees, he says the kingdom of heaven is in the midst of you. Jesus came to tell us what this kingdom was about and he ushered in the rule and reign of God here on earth. And so let's look at Luke chapter 13. We're gonna start in verse 18. He, he is Jesus, said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it? Now let's just go ahead and stop there. What is the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it? You see, at that time, in the first century, the Israelites, the people of God, the covenant community, whatever you want to call them, they had an expectation of the Messiah. They thoroughly believed, and it was a zeitgeist that was developing for a few hundred years, a belief that they had in their minds, that when the Messiah came, he was going to be a second coming of King David, that he was going to come in with a sword and a standing army behind him, and they were going to overthrow the shackles of oppression of whoever was oppressing them in that time, which happened to be Rome. That it was going to be a repeat of the Egyptian freedom story. And that God was going to overthrow the enemy and free the people of God and establish a physical, tangible, you could go to the castle kingdom on earth. That was the belief. And Jesus pushes back against this expectation. And I think sometimes we have expectations of Jesus, right? I think sometimes we put expectations on Jesus, just like the Israelites did in the first century. And we think that um, Jesus, as long as I attend church regularly, and as long as I tithe, and as long as I pray before dinner, then you should do X, Y, and Z for me, and whatever those things are in your own personal life. You should make sure my job is stable, that my kid grows up well and doesn't do anything crazy, that my marriage is good, and that my car doesn't break down. Right? And we have this give and take system with Jesus, and we put expectations on him. And all frustration is birthed out of unmet expectations. The people of Israel were frustrated with Jesus. And there's a reason why on Palm Sunday, they were shouting Hosanna in the highest. And then five days later, they were shouting crucify him. Chris Voss in his book, Never Split the Difference, says, don't be so fixated on what you want that you miss something better. Jesus was coming to bring a far better kingdom. And he puts it like this. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed in Matthew in the corresponding part says it's the smallest of all seeds that a man took and sowed in his garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. The kingdom of God is this little runt seed that's about the size of a strawberry seed if, if you've eaten a strawberry recently, which... Why would you not have? Um, it, it's like a strawberry seed. It's like a mustard seed that goes into the ground. And then you wait. And you wait. And you water it. And then you wait some more. And then you wait a little bit longer. And then all of a sudden it sprouts. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's almost like Jesus got this right. Um, Jesus went into the grave. He came out. There was about 120 followers in those early days after the ascension. And then we learn that the church, this kind of vehicle for which God's grace spreads throughout the world, the church went from 120 to the book of Acts says several, be, several thousand being saved per day. And then it went from several thousand to tens of thousands, from tens of thousands to 
hundreds of thousands, from hundreds of thousands to millions. In fact, by 312 AD, which is the year before Constantine made Christianity the official religion of Rome, there were 31 million Christians in the Roman Empire, which had a population of 60 million. So simple majority. And it just started small. It was just this little thing that this seed, which we celebrated last week, that this Jesus went into the ground that God put on human flesh and human nature and in his human nature was dead. And then he came back. He overcame the grave. And then it begins to spread like wildfire. And if you just look historically, and and I'm taking off my pastor hat and just putting on my guy who can read at the public library hat because my daughter enjoys story time there and so I spend an uncomfortable amount of time in the public library. If you look where Christianity has been established, and I'm, I'm not saying that Christians have always been perfect. I'm not, I know bad things have been done in the name of Christ, things that do not represent the gospel, but atrocious things. But on the whole shot, where the kingdom of God has been established, literacy rates have risen. The rights of women have been elevated. Slavery has been abolished. The value of human life has been increased. Rates of homelessness have dropped. Poverty levels have dropped. Education rates have skyrocketed. Adoption rates have skyrocketed. Where the kingdom of heaven begins to spread, lives are transformed and darkness is pushed back with the good news of the gospel. Amen? Good. All three of you. Thank you. Really making headway today, Claire. (laughs) This is the good news of the gospel. That it goes into the ground and it begins to sprout. You know the craziest thing about the gospel though? The thing that I, I personally I just can't wrap my head around. You and I are invited to play a role in it. We are. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, Therefore you are ambassadors of Christ as if God is making his plea through you. Earlier in that chapter it says, You have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. That our job as believers, and Jesus told us this in Matthew 28, is to go and take the gospel wherever we go. The book of Acts tells us that you have been specifically placed in your roles, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your gym, at your Starbucks in order to be a light for the gospel. I think everybody wrestles with four basic questions of life. I think we all do this, believer, non-believer, different religion, whatever it is. We all wrestle with four questions. The first one is um, origin. Where, Where did I come from? How did I get here? I mean, we're just on this big ball in space and there's things 500 million light years away. How did we get here? And this is why genetic testing is so popular. You can spit in a tube and send it off and then comes back with a big graph. And you can do that with dogs now too. For $189 in two days, you can get your dog's DNA testing, which just sounds weird coming out of my mouth. Who cares? I don't know. We wrestle with that question. Truth is the next one. Um, What is truth? Is my truth just my truth? Is what I think right, right for me, but maybe for you it's not right? Is there empirical truth? Is it subjective? Where are we? Destination. Where do we go when we die? What's on the other side? Is there anything? Do we just disappear like before we were born? What happens? 
And I think as believers, we have those three kind of squared away. I think we're pretty good on those. But there's one that we just can't get our head around that just gnaws at us. Significance. Meaning. Don't we all want to be significant? I think there's a reason that Avengers Endgame in three days has already raised $1.1 billion. And all of us want to go see it and every young person in the room is covering their ears because they're afraid I'm going to spoil it. We love stories of people making an impact. We love stories of significance. We love where someone does something big and rights are wrong and helps someone out or people feel accepted and they just save the day. And we want to be that person. We want to be that person. And the good news of the gospel is that you are invited into an opportunity to be significant, to leave a legacy, to have meaning, to do something that lives beyond you. This is what kingdom building is. This is what God is calling us to of building this kingdom. You know, the older I get, um, the more my, my kind of internal fears start to shift. I used to be so afraid of failure and snakes. I hate snakes. Um, but failure used to be my biggest fear growing up. I didn't want to disappoint my parents. I didn't want to disappoint the people around me. And I, I was driven. And the older I get, the more I realize failure isn't the worst thing. Because at least it means I tried. My biggest fear now that I'm 33 and so wise, um, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> uh, my biggest fear is not failure it's, it's being a, really good at a lot of things that on the day I die won't matter my, my biggest fear is being successful being known, being respected and in the end it not meaning anything I want to leave an impact I want to do something I want to build a kingdom I want to be a part of something that goes beyond my 80, 90 years here. I want to do something. And I think all of us want to do that. So how do we build this kingdom? How do we do it? Because you're already rationalizing in your head. You're already saying in your head, well, well, not me. Um, I'm not qualified for that. I can't speak like uh, Richard or Shelton. I don't know the Bible like you do. I can't sing like Tom. I can't do these things. I can't make an impact. God calls us to be faithful in little things in life. Where are you making an impact? What are you doing with your lives? You know, we talk about transforming the heart of the city. We talk about um, building the kingdom. We talk about engaging non-believers. So I guess here's my question. Name five. Name five non-believers that you're engaging with, that you're praying for, that you're talking to. Name five. And maybe you're like me that you always find yourself in this church and around Christians and um, you struggle to do that. Just this morning, I stopped on my way into work to you know, get something to drink and like a cliff bar. And, um, I went to that gas station, the Spink station on Pelham and Haywood. And as I was checking out, this young lady was talking to me. The, the cashier person was talking to me. And in my mind, I... <laughs> I thought, it's 7.15, I have to get to the church. I, I need to be there so I can preach a sermon on transforming the city. 
And I'm not, I'm not even listening to what this young lady's saying. And here she is opening her heart to me, and I'm too busy. And on my right end, I thought, man, Jesus told a parable about that. And I was the priest in the Good Samaritan parable who just didn't have time for people. See, I don't think any of us are, are trying to not be impactful. I don't think any of us wake up and say, I don't want to do anything for the kingdom today. I think we want to be impactful. I think we're just so busy. We're so busy getting to the next meeting, to the next soccer thing for our kids. We're so busy trying to get dinner on the table. We're going from thing to thing to thing that we have no time to actually treat the people around us like they have souls. Like, here's a question. Who serves you coffee at Starbucks? Like, do you know? Because you go there every day, and you spend $7.45 for your cup of Pike's coffee. But do you know them? I don't think kingdom building is nearly as complex as we want to make it out to be. And you might not have talents, which you do, but you might think to yourself, I can't do that. But in God's kingdom, it seems like, just flipping through the Bible, it seems like it's not so much about ability as it is about availability. Are you, are you available? Are you saying, okay, God, give me opportunities today to impact people? Or does your waiter or waitress exist for the sole purpose of bringing you food? And I think too often that's our default. That's where we go with our lives. You want to transform this city? You want to make a lasting impression in the lives of people? Put your phone down and say hello. Just start there. Because I would hate to, on my dying day, say I spent a lot of time catching up on Instagram and Reddit and Twitter and not much time talking to the person right next to me. Not much time investing in the kingdom. You know, we, we love talking about investments and we love looking at stocks and talking about portfolios, but if you really want to see your investments skyrocket, invest in the kingdom. And here's the deal. There are hurts on these pews. There are people struggling with addiction whose marriages are falling apart, who are in financial ruin. There's devastation all in this room. And I am not for one second invalidating that. That is legitimate and it's painful and it's hurt. And you know who else is going through that kind of stuff? The people out there. The people out there. And they could use somebody like you to talk to. They could use somebody like you to take the time to sit down and say, how's your day going? No, really, how's your day going to get to know your barista? I had to stop using self-checkout at the store. I hate it. Um, I, no, I love self-checkout. I like to save time, but I realized that by doing self-checkout, I'm missing an opportunity to talk to usually a high schooler who's just going through stuff. And it's cumbersome. It's a pain. I'd rather just do it myself. How are you being missional? What about your lives are you going to change? What in your daily routine do you need to alter in order to make an impact for the kingdom? My daughter and I have this, um, we have this kind of thing that we do every spring where we plant a garden. And she loves growing cucumbers and peppers. And here's the thing, I would just much rather go to Publix and buy those for 99 cents each. But instead, we had to go to Home Depot and spend $50. 
kingdom economics. You know, it just doesn't, <laughs> upside down. So we go and we get the soil, we get the Peppa Pig gloves, we get the little shovel that's not sharp so she doesn't stab me with it because she's shady. And <clears throat> we're doing it one day and we have a pack of perennials, sunflowers, cucumbers, peppers, carrots, and watermelon. Here's the thing, I'm not a green thumb. Don't send me your emails afterwards. I don't know how to do this. I'm just acting like I know how to. And so I tell her, Caroline, you, you open it, you put a little seed in, and then you go over a few inches. And do you know those rain sticks you can buy at Mass General Store? Like it's just a big piece of wood with some rice in it. You flip it and it's shh. That's what it sounded like behind me because she had opened all the packets and was just dumping them in, right? Just shh. So I just covered it up and <laughs> rolled the dice. And I thought, well, here we go. And so we watered it. And um, it's been a few weeks, and I kid you not, it's growing. I don't know what's growing, but it's growing. <laughs> we could get a cucumber, a watermelon, whatever. I'm hoping we get at least 50 to make my money back, but it's growing. Here's the thing. We don't know which of the seeds that we plant are going to grow. We don't know because it's God who causes the growth. Our job is to be faithful in spreading the seed. You know, no one water drop thinks it's responsible for the flood. I'm going to say that again. No one water drop thinks it's responsible for the flood. It's the culmination of millions and millions of droplets of water that causes a flood. Maybe, just maybe, when we build the kingdom, it's the culmination of millions and millions of interactions pausing our busy schedules to say hello and get to know somebody, of going out of our way to not do self-checkout in order to go through the line. Maybe it's taking the grill from the backyard to the front yard and just inviting your neighbors over. Maybe it's pouring into that young person that just started at your job who's in the office and has no idea what they're doing and just needs somebody to talk to them. Maybe it's taking time to invite the people who just moved to Greenville and don't have any sort of network, taking them out to dinner. That's for you to figure out. And so my hope today, my desire is that you really wrestle with that, is that you really think on these things. How can you be impactful? Because I want to be impactful, and I know you do too. Today, some of our students are going to join. They went through confirmation class um, we have 34 students joining today at the church, and I've been so blown away working with students at the ability for them to cling to the gospel and to love Christ and to change the culture around them. Um, recently, and this church has blessed the student ministry so much, um, and a lot of times we are the recipients of grace, but when it comes to the capital campaign, we want to be a part of it. We don't want to just... Um, receive, we want to bless as well. So what we did, and this wasn't fancy, this was not a well-orchestrated thing, we just put a bucket on the stage and said, you know, babysitting money, walking dogs, whatever, allowance, just put it in there if you want to contribute. We did that for two weeks, and again, we're talking 6th to 12th grade. Um, two weeks, and when I was counting the money the other day, I put a little bit in my pocket just for walking around, but I'm kidding, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> it's also embezzlement. Um, $2,841.47. Um, so just, just some students. 
Um, that's them making a difference. And so Kate Fagan's going to come up um, after I pray, and she's going to introduce the new students who are joining in the service today and ignite some students joined as well. Um, but we're so grateful for them. Let's pray. Father God, this morning as we wrestle with how we're making an impact for the kingdom, as we um, mull over this, Father, I pray that you would um, convict us. Lord, we want to make a difference, and it's not nearly as complicated as we want to make it out to be. Lord, it just requires that we die to ourselves. Um, that's the hardest part about the gospel is that you require us to think of others before our own lives. And Father, I think we all wrestle with that. But God, you say if anyone wants to gain his life, he needs to lose it. And so, Father, I pray that we would be a people marked by losing our lives for the sake of the gospel so that Greenville can be transformed. So that those who don't know you will know you. So that those who will say first prez or this person coming through my grocery line, this person coming through Starbucks every day is the reason I love Jesus now. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.